Hello, my name is Anthony Shapur, and as you all know, I have been doing a series of podcasts, both in disruptive biotechnology, talking to CEOs, but also talking to individuals on the operational side of running a company, uh, which applies not only to biotechnology companies, but really to any company. And today I have with me uh, Matt Taylor, who is the founder and CEO of Darkside Enterprises. And Matt, I met you through LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. You sent me an email asking if I might be interested and I was just finishing up a CEO role and I was asking myself, if I had to do it all over again, what was I missing? You know, what are the lessons learned? And I think one of them was that I was running this company off my Macintosh and I said to myself, the next time I do this, I think we need a full IT uh, consultant. So first tell me a little bit about your company and what you do. Yeah, so Darkside uh, was formed uh, uh, the last few years um, with a very strong focus around uh, security, uh, cybersecurity, and uh, IT solutions. Um, they, they go hand in hand. The, the larger uh, the organization gets, the more you know separation of, of powers and duties, and, and you know those tasks get separated. But for a lot of small businesses and medium-sized businesses, it's all the same team, and so. Um, I've developed, um, you know, our our footprint to where we can come in and, and assist uh, existing teams in, in a co-managed uh, spot. Or if you know an organization doesn't have uh, an IT team or security team, that can be you know outsourced to us as a as a managed solution and, and in between. Um, and so we have plenty of opportunities that we've worked with with existing teams as well as um, you know running running their departments. So. And, and if, if you're a brand new company starting out of the box, what are the things that you provide for them in terms of hardware, software, um, and, and how do you bill for your services? Yeah, so um, we've got a couple different models in terms of, of billing. If they're, if they're starting out, the best, the best thing, it's probably the best thing you could ever do is, is be forward thinking and in, in IT and security from the get-go uh, because there's a lot uh, of changes not only from the technical side or security side um, to go back and and check everything that's existing is it going to be is have issues with the new software or whatever um, products that we're going to put in or solutions we're going to put in but you're also changing company culture and so if you're starting out the gate um, brand new it's a good thing to start from the top down uh, and disperse that out to your your you know your staff your employees. Um, so there's no you know going back and forth of well we got to do this or we have to do that. I don't like that. You know I want to be the exception. Um, and you know with with security these days, no one gets to be exceptions anymore, and it it's got to be applied to everybody. And so starting you know starting from the ground up, um, you know. Hardware is hardware. Doesn't matter what vendor you you select it from. But having a uh, methodical practice of how are they using that machine? How are they are they admins on all their machines? Can they install whatever they want? Um, are we restricting stuff? And in in a startup firm, you know, you guys don't have the typical necessities that you see in a, in a corporate environment or in a small mid-sized environment that those technologies would have been like active directory and you know sing, standardizing on your your um 
user accounts and all of that type of stuff. You guys just aren't going to have that, right? And so a lot of people get get fixated with uh, using home machines. And one thing that, you know, the pandemic recently shown is it's a bigger risk. It's, it's, it is a huge obstacle and risk for, for um, organizations because now not only were they focused on security in their own infrastructure, now they've allowed folks to go home and use their personal computers. Um, and now that's a greater risk, especially if they have infrastructure uh, internally that that's there. And even cloud, uh, you know, infrastructure, there's still a risk, but, you know, going from the, from the, heading from the gates out, standardizing on, on hardware is a good thing, right? Because then now you're not having all these different models out there and having to support five different model types that are all different hardware pieces. So first things first is a standardize on hardware. Um, our managed solution, we have a, a technical stack that is comprised of a wealth of, of different uh, pieces that all integrate together. And they, they go from all the way down to using, you know, Microsoft Office and all the security applications and mobile device management to manage those devices all the way to threat, uh, threat security, uh, you know, next-gen antivirus, uh, EDR platforms, uh, all the way to, you know, a small organization, you wouldn't necessarily see this, but depending on what their needs are, you'll see applications that are installed that go to a, um, a SOC team, a security operations center, right? And so that's where, you know, log analysis comes. And so there's, there's a plethora of solutions that are baked into our technical stack. And it's not one size fits all. And it's not one solution that goes for everybody because there is a cost factor with that. But that's where we come in to align with the business model, what they're doing, what are they doing with their data? Because if it's a construction company, that has no patient data versus a healthcare company or a, a startup company, it's apples and oranges. And uh, I recently was engaged with a, um, uh, a bio firm out of the Bay Area in California, and they have an office in New York, and we're still we're working on the engagement still for doing um, risk assessments. They're huge. They need series, uh, series A funding but they have multiple compliances. They're not only doing COVID testing, so they have patient data, but now they're dealing with California privacy laws and they're dealing with New York privacy laws. And so they have a whole lot of stuff, even though that I think they're a, a 65 person organization, they're going through the same thing like this is most of their stuff is not standardized. Most of their stuff is homegrown, uh, people using their own personal machines and bringing it in and coming in and out. And, you know, not only for startups, startups usually have um, proprietary information. You're typically developing in-house software or their processes, and that gets out the foot to a competitor, then, you know, you're, you're pretty much done. And so we come in with that aspect, look at, the, look at all the cards on the table, um, everything that they're going to be doing, and we align a a solution, um, you, a whole, a whole. Do you host uh, the servers at, um, like for the company? That's all determined on, on the client. So we, we won't host any servers per se with us directly. We will host in a, in a third party like Microsoft Azure or uh, AWS. Um, but there's some there, and that's all dependent on, on what their business model right is, right? If, if they're going to have multiple offices, that's probably the route to go. But if they're, if they're, 
a one and done office, it may be better to do a capital purchase of having a server on site and just restrict that and lock that down. Whatever we do in the cloud, we can do and implement on on prem both in you know in and out. So in the last big company I worked for, we had to sign in every morning um, into the company company server through a VPN. And all of our documents always stayed on the server. We were not allowed to keep anything on our C drives or our local drives on this uh, laptop, for example. Uh, we did all of our work and we stored it on the, um, on the company server. Is that what you would recommend for um, uh, companies starting out that they not keep things on their C drives or their local drives? Yeah, so the more spots, the more area that there's data, your risk goes up, right? If, you've, if you're if you sending a file um, to multiple people and they all download that file to view it and it's never removed, now that's five times that, you know, that information is spread, right? Um, and so it's usually, you know, it, it brings people out of their comfort because they're used to things a certain way from a previous job or, or how they, excuse me, how they've, you know, grown through technology. But if we were to, you know, get an understanding under, on a, uh, a culture level of this is how we we do things. Let's put everything in a, in a let's say a secure shared drive. You access it there. There's no you know downloading whatever. Um, and Microsoft does a really great thing uh, with that presently, uh, and Google does too to an extent. Um, but you actually don't even have to run Office anymore if you're if you're doing that. They have web versions for that. So if I go in and we have we use Microsoft OneDrive and we share a file through SharePoint or whatever they can open the file using the web apps and I can actually put conditional policies in place that they can't even download the file. They can edit it all on the web and that's it and it's locked down. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of neat things that can be done, especially out in the cloud to, to lock and restrict that data. Um, you know, there's, there's two major shifts that are, well, there's, there's two big shifts that are happening. Um, a lot of companies are going towards compliance and that could be a, a lot of different things because compliance is becoming a very uh, focal point across um, the world these days with making sure everything is secured and everybody's doing what they're supposed to. And you know, behind compliance is doing risk assessments, seeing where you stand and moving forward to lower that risk. But the two other big points um, that are happening that that a lot of enterprises already had in place, but a lot of um, service providers are starting to look into for their clients is one, um, governance, identity governance. So identity governance is where you're able to check and log who's doing what and when, right? And so um, having that track record and maybe even having permission sets in, let's say, you know, Anthony, you go into an organization and you need to, you have a, an accounting team or you have a department that only needs access to those files, you're going to get permissions or requests to get access to that instead of an IT administrator just being able to have keys of the kingdom and granting that access, right? So the checks and balances come into play. The other big thing um, that you probably have heard of is everybody is going in a zero trust model. Um, and it's a, it's a, a assume breach in every scenario, any organization we go in, we're going to assume that you've already been breached. And so we're going to come in and rectify and do that. And now with the startup, there's nothing to assume at this point. And so what we'll do is implement 
all of our standards um, and, and procedures that we do for any client, but we'll just do it at the forefront uh, and we don't have to go back and do any remediation steps since it's a brand new organization, right? What are some like serious uh, uh, cybersecurity breaches that you've been involved with and how have you resolved them? So every incident that I have been involved in, um, and I've been involved in well over 100 different incidents uh, over the last four years um, in remediation. And so um, some of the high levels, you know, I, I won't get specific because there's NDAs in place, but some of them are media companies uh, that I've been involved with. Um, and we all know media is big at that point. They're you know, at a global state. Um, and so, but then I've also been involved in healthcare. Um, we see day in and day out that there's governments that are being held to ransom and data breaches uh, constantly. And so um, it's just, it's never ending these days. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people don't justify their budget until after it happens. Mm -hmm. And 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 any any solutions? What what were your solutions for these companies? So go, you know, this all goes back to you know the you know the methodical thinking and and being strategic for that organization, right? And so this is this is where our managed solution. It doesn't matter if it's our managed solution or or anybody else's. It's all the same the same technology. And so, uh, you know, putting in. Uh, the practices of a zero trust uh, framework uh, in an organization, locking things down, making sure people don't have admin access, logging, um, making sure that people aren't sharing accounts and all of that type of stuff. Um, it's uh, there's a lot of tedious work to make it happen, um, and and it has to start from the top down to flow through their company culture that we're that you know is implementing that type of stuff there's another organization that i'm i'm actively working in um but they have to deal with credit they deal with credit reports they see people's credit reports they have social security numbers and um you know i i came in working on the project after a breach um and i don't have very much details you know into you know their scenario other than i know they've went through a breach i believe um and you know it's just I still see the same old, you know, bad practices and going in and we're, you know, I've just dotted the lines, given a whole bunch of recommendations on what they need to do. And, and we're following up to, you know, remediate that, making sure that we, we take away uh, those bad practices. And that that's where it goes in. I mean, the, the shift of organizations and where they're spending their money, user awareness training has significantly gone up in, in uh, expenses um, for the budget because, at the end of the day, you can only do so much to lock your systems down. Um, and if there's one thing missed, one little loophole, one little patch that wasn't done, uh, oh, we gave this person admin access temporarily for whatever reason and we didn't remove it, you could be done for. Um, and so, you know, the biggest thing is, is giving users that training um, and enforcing that training. It used to be a culture of doing it once a year to where I've seen organizations that um, do it monthly, quarterly, um, and it, it goes into an escalation point at this point. It's no longer, uh, maybe we'll do it, maybe we won't. Uh, in the particular offering that we do in our solution, it mm -hmm. notifies their immediate supervisor. And then if they don't do it still after that, then HR is actually notified that this person hasn't completed security awareness training. 
So this is an online uh, module training that your company offers. Oh, okay. So you guys also do uh, education. Yes. Yeah. We have education services. I mean, these are quick five, five minute, five, 10 minute videos a month. It's not, it's not like it's hours long and, and they go through it, um, you know, once a month and then they're more than welcome to do more if they, if they want during the month, but uh, we do have the, the standard requirement for that. And uh, you know, we've been increasingly moving toward a remote work environment. Uh, I, I've been re- working remote for the last five years. So for me, I'm very comfortable with it, but in your experience over the last year, has COVID really changed um, something in terms of remote work in tr- that you can feel tangibly is different than it was before COVID? And if so, what are the changes? So I believe there are, you know, there were changes that have happened. Um, I think a lot of it, um, I, you know, I'm kind of on the fence on, on, on this viewpoint, um, because you have organizations that are implementing work from home, uh, partial work from home. Um, you have some that say, hey, you can choose not to come back or not. Um, and that, that seems more of the larger organizations are doing that pretty freely versus um, the larger organizations are giving the option to do either or. There's some smaller companies that want to, depending on, on the culture of their staff, could be age, it could be whatever, um, they may just like working in an office, right? And if that's the case, and that's how the, the company wants to handle out, then they have to work through a workaround remotely currently until it's safe to go back in, in an office. But on the flip side, there's small businesses out there that are saying, if you want to work for us, you're going to be remote. And because they're saying, I mean, they're saving money. They don't have to pay for uh, a rental property anymore and anything like that. Um, and so, you know, we even have solutions for, for that to where even remote workers can, can follow that zero trust framework to get into a company's organization. That way we don't have to, we could care less about their, their personal assets, their personal computer and protecting their computer. Yes, we, they should be, but that, that, there's a fine line whether a company should be responsible for doing that or not. Um, and so we have, we have partners that we work with that pave that way to where they're secure. They're not going to, if they have a, an attack on their machine, it's not going to go through our solution. Um, and it kind of limits that scope. Another piece of our solution that we have that can fit for organizations is, as we know, being at home. Everybody's using their all their their main home network, and, and so exactly what I was going to ask you: like, how safe is the main home network from Hotwire or Verizon or whatever compared to being in an office setting where your company, etc.? So tell how safe is a home network? It's 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 not. Assume that it's not. I mean, you. I mean, you could have anything and everything. Let's say they're wireless. Obviate around that. If people are working from home and using their 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 home internet, then how do you protect that? So you know, we give we give recommendations on how the security should be on their their wireless access points or who's on their network. Um, you know, not they're not all tech people, so they're not going to understand it. So we have to, you know, make sure that we give um, valuable information that they can understand and, and we can help them out with. Um, but we, we were working on developing a plan at the beginning of COVID and we're fully ready to onboard customers and it's more equipment, but it's 100 percent locked down. And so we actually have um, our managed firewall op- offering. And so if, think of a firewall that that from a home user perspective 
it's another router. It's another home router. Corporate, the corporate business world calls it a firewall. A home person calls it a, a, a router, um, et cetera, right? We will actually um, ship out managed firewalls at a discounted price for home users. Okay. And we can, we can pre-configure them um, uh, offsite. So literally we can walk them through, plug in, they'll get internet to their, their device. And now they plug in all their corporate devices behind that side. And that can consist of, we can send them a firewall and we send them an access point. And so that's all pre-configured to their company device. Um, and that way it's completely siloed. It's completely, they're gonna go at the same internet connection, right. but we, we've created a, a silo, if you will, for the corporate devices. There's now- Corporate secrets and certain things, uh, not only um, sensitive uh, data like like uh, social security numbers and patient information, but also their corporate secrets. You know, you have your your formulas that you don't want uh, other people to steal. And I was just sort of wondering, like when you're using a home Wi-Fi network, whether or not people can still potentially tap in and steal those kinds of things. Yeah, it, they absolutely can, especially if if especially if they're using their own personal computer, right? So if we go back to where they're using their own computer and they're logging into, um, you know, uh, the webmail in Office 365. If they have a virus on their machine that is doing key logging, they could grab their password to log in just like that. Um, and, that and that's leading to my next point of, you know, one of the things that's out there is um, uh, identity uh, access management. And so you've heard the, you've heard the company, um, you know, Okta is very, a very uh, large company that does this, which is what we standardize on. You have Duo, you have Microsoft that does it, but within the, within the Okta platform, when we deploy it out, we, we have single sign-on um, across the board and multi-factor authentication all through it. Um, you can get multi-factor through any provider, whether it's Microsoft um, or Duo or Okta, whatever. Okta is what we standardize on for our, our roadmap and whatnot, but we take things to the next level with our Okta platform. And what I mean by that is we can put conditional policies in. So they're using Okta and they're in the corporate office. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't get multi-factor login prompt because they're logging in from the corporate office's IP address. But if they're home or they're outside the corporate IP, they now have to do a multi-factor every time they log into Okta. Um, Okta would be kind of centralized for all their applications, right? So if they have Office 365 or they have G Suite or any of their applications, that could all be programmed into it. They go to Okta, sign in, and away they go. Um, and, and one of the beauties of um, identity management with these policies is we can lock it down um, from location. So if they're coming from, from, a, from China or Russia or anywhere, we now can act on that on the, on the logging and reset their password and lock their account and they're done. They can't get into it anymore. Um, and so it's, very, it's a very big eye opener across the board. Uh, and those are just some of the, the basic things, basic things that we implement just as a, as a precaution for security. And um, in finishing up, or before we finish, I want to hear a little bit about your book that you published that's available on Amazon, uh, Adapt and Overcome What Business Owners Need to Do to Keep employees, employees, Clients, and Infrastructure Safe During a, a Time of Crisis. So tell us about that book. And Yeah, so uh, over the summer, um, 
we were we were working with a group that uh, you know published this book out, uh, which I was uh, one of the co-authors. I think there was uh, 13 or 14 uh, other folks that were in this. Um, uh, the the chapter that uh, I, I added into the, the book was specifically about security awareness um, and how they need to uh, stay focused with it. They need to have it. They need to have a budget for it. They need to make it a requirement. And so, um, not only just from from my op, my input, everybody's input in that book was was uh, was very well received. It's you know we're we're everybody has to turn into be these experts these days because everything's there's a big spotlight on IT and security these days that wasn't there a year ago, wasn't there five years ago, and now it's there and it's not going to change. It's even branching out even further to where um, there's legislation going into place in some of the states that are requirements for service providers that have to, to check. No, not only do you have HIPAA that you have to do, but now service providers are going to have le legislation that they're going to have to follow. And it will eventually fall out across the board. But I know that there was one state that specifically laid out that legislation already for working with the government. And so um, it, it's, it's going to change uh, drastically uh, in the coming years. Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can visit our website, uh, www.darkside.enterprises. Um, uh, there's no .com, no .net, just darkside.enterprises. Um, and they can uh, contact us there on our website. Um, you know, we'll uh, engage and, and you know, uh, see what their pain points are, what they need, uh, what their needs are. Um, you know, if it's a, a mad hoc project to fully blown services, uh, you know, we're here to help. Wonderful. Thanks so much, and I look forward to continuing the dialogue when I have a new company that I'm starting, which I hope will be soon. <laughs> Perfect. I appreciate your time, Anthony. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. That